Welcome to the Barry Trammell Show. Doug Gottlieb was an iconic OSU point guard under Eddie Sutton and since has gone on to a fabulous career in broadcasting, not only as an analyst for basketball games, but as a radio host for a variety of enterprises, including currently Fox Sports. Doug joins us today on the show, but first, let's thank our sponsors. Next Generation Roofing, Weedman Lawn Service, FireLakeJobs.com, Oklahoma's Ford Dealers, Oklahoma's 988 Helpline, and Two Fellas Moving. One of my few good attributes is I like to help people move, but I'm rare. And that's where Two Fellas comes in. Two Fellas loves moving. They offer free, no-strings quotes for your move. With over 20 years' experience, they pretty much moved it all, and their services include remodeling and spring cleaning. They have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free, no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. And we welcome in Doug Gottlieb. Uh, Doug, thanks for doing this. You're an OSU icon going back almost 30 years now. Hard to believe, but uh, your connection with the Cowboys has has remained, even though you're now 20, almost 24 years removed from uh, from being an Eddie Sutton point guard. Um, how do you explain your connection and your, and your deep roots with OSU and why that's been maintained, even though you've gone you know, all over the country, making a name for yourself in broadcasting? Well, I mean, uh, there's a couple of things to it. The, the first is I just, you know, I'm a big believer in NIL from the traditional sense, right? Like you do something cool in college, you make a name for yourself, people like you, people respect you, you know, and, and those things have playing at OSU. None of what I've been able to do over the last 23 years, I have my kids, my friends, any financial, personal successes are possible without my time and so on. So I'm, I'm really respectful of that. And then I think the other part to it is um, it's just always felt like home to me. And I'll give you the easiest example, Barry. When I was uh, on my first official visit to college, I was a high school senior, Tustin High School, and I visited Notre Dame. And they played Michigan in football, and Lou Holtz was a coach. And I mean, it was a spectacular visit, right? Flying to Chicago, they put you on a private plane. You fly over the Golden Dome. And I wasn't a Notre Dame fan growing up, but I, I went there just because I wanted to see a Notre Dame football game. And, uh, you know, you, at the president, Monk Malloy at the time, meets with you in the Golden Dome, in the office, like right there. And so all these like historical things you see in the movie, Rudy was out at the time as well. Like all these things kind of come together. Lou Holtz came in right before the, they have a, a pep rally in the arena, right before big games. Lou Holtz came in. Andy Ground, your head coach. He knew everything about me. And I mean, that was like one of the apostles themselves coming in and shaking hands. And so they lost to Michigan on a last second field goal. And I remember students crying walking home from the game. And then the next year, I was a freshman at Notre Dame and they played Northwestern. And Keep in mind, Northwestern at the time was a laughingstock in college football, but that team would go on to go to the Rose Bowl. But they lost to Northwestern. Again, last second field goal, my first game as a student. We're walking back to Dillon Hall, and everybody's crying. Can't believe we lost to Northwestern! I was like, man, that was a great football game. Like, I don't, I don't get it. 
Fast forward two years later, 97, I'm a sophomore at Oklahoma State. And the football team's kind of a surprise. Went eight and four in the year. Um, and uh, the last game of the season, they played OU. And this was John Blake's last game. And despite the fact OU wasn't very good, it was still 26 years since OSU beat OU at home. And when they won the game, I remember watching the goalposts get torn down and I was crying like a baby. And I just realized, like, that's my home. This is my place, you know? And uh, it's a reason that I, I'm a big proponent of college sports for every school, for kids. Like, I want people to have the experience that I have at OSU um, and have the connection that they have to my teammates, to my coaches, to my school, uh, to the area that I had. If you can have a fraction of what, what I had, you should consider it an incredible success in the best three, four, five, six years of your life, whatever. So I just, and then, you know, again, fast forward to this, uh, you go back to November when the last Bedlam game was played. My daughter was on a recruiting visit for Equestrian. And this was a kid who she wanted to go pro for the last three years. She didn't, she didn't. And I was like, Harper, you got to really consider like this place. Larry Sanchez is an amazing guy. You know, your mom and I went here like this is this is the place, but you got to do what's best for you. But you will. She's like, well, how do I know? I go, well, you will feel it. You will feel it in your heart if it's the right place for your son. And if it's not, don't worry about it. We'll find the right place or you, you go pro right. So she called me from the field. She rushed the field after they beat OU and they're tearing down the goalpost. And she's crying and I'm crying. And she's like, I want to go here. So I, you know, I still get choked up. I tell the story a bunch of times. Um, it's just, it's a special place to me. It's, it, it demarks a big change in my life. And um, I, I honor it and I love it. And it, you know, what it does, it, it centers you. It really does center you. You know, some people go on yoga retreats. Some people go and travel Europe, hawk, hiking, whatever. It really centers me. It just, it just does. Well, uh, connect, continuing that OSU connection, uh, a remarkable uh, situation this basketball season. You've uh, joined up with Mike Boynton as a consultant. You're helping, yeah. uh, you're chatting with him and uh, observing and, and doing a lot of uh, interaction with the Cowboys. Talk about your new role with OSU basketball. Well, um, so I, I've done limiting consulting with other programs. It's more come in, spend a week. I did last year with Texas. Uh, with Chris Beard before, before that thing went bad, right? Um, and a long time ago, I went to Baylor when they were first trying to turn the corner. And sometimes just a different set of eyes. You know, you're not too close to the forest to see the trees. Um, but but Mike's approach has been different. Like, he's wanted me to – we've always been – we started as friendly. You know, I wanted the job. He got the job. He's just a wonderful, friendly human being. To eventually we became friends. And um, now, now we're really, really good friends. And he's like, you know, why don't you consider consulting all year long? And so we met with Chad Weiberg and we said, like, well, what does that look like? And they said, well, like, it's kind of whatever you want, right? You just can't. I can't be on the floor, you know, drawing up plays and coaching, but I can be with him at practice. I meet with him when I'm there. When I'm there, we have uh, we, we meet. We have lunch together. We talk for hours. We watch film. Now I watch every practice, every game. We talk five, six days a week, you know, and 
I, I think it's very much mutually respectful because one, I mean, having gotten a chance to see all that he does, um, it's really eye opening uh, because he's he, he does a lot of things that people don't see, which are really remarkable, and how he he has great relationships within the department with his players, how he deals with the staff, how his meetings go, like all these things. It's like a learning session for me. I take copious notes. And um, and then for me, you know, like there's things that I've seen ev- uh, everywhere that I've been that we've tried to implement, we've tried to do. And I say we, I'm not really on the staff, but I feel like I am. And again, that's all Mike, because Mike demands that his players and give all of his staff, anybody in staff, respect and listen intention eye contact and then he does that the same for the staff to listen to each other so uh, i've learned a lot and i've just tried to help where i can but it's a been a great experience I man i wish you know we didn't lose to abilene and i wish that the uh it had gone a little bit better in new york we weren't healthy to start the season new team but in terms of me personally i'm learning a lot I'm getting a chance to interact a ton with Mike and with the rest of the staff and some with the players. Um, and it's just, it's been great um, in trying to figure out one, how you run a program in 2023, 2024 Two, how do we get Oklahoma state basketball back to where I think most of us who played there or follow it as fans think it should be. And then, um, and then also the, the evolution of the game of basketball, how it's taught, how it's coached, how it's, how it's officiated, all those things. When you're really there, I've, I've always been bothered by people in our profession who don't go to games, you know, and they say, I, I remember I would feel disconnected when I would do, I was, I was at my, my nine years at ESPN, I was seen more as a studio guy. I did games every week, but I was seen as a studio guy because I was in there every Saturday. You just, you can call, you can talk to coaches, but until you're there and you see it, now being there and see it, you know, for a week and a half, two week in a month stretch like you really see the everyday day to day you understand a lot more you may not agree with everything but you understand a whole lot more so yeah it's been a a new role for me and mike's been unbelievably welcoming there are no secrets and uh i'm learning a lot and our relationship continues to grow you know as you said you you wanted the job seven years ago interviewed for the job uh, people here in Oklahoma know that uh, Boynton is a, a, a wonderful fellow, but it still strikes us as unusual that uh, a guy would bring in uh, uh, someone who was a competitor for the job seven years ago. What does that, what does that tell us about Mike Boynton? Two things you need to know about Mike Boynton, okay? He does not have hobbies, okay? literally no hobbies, never played a round of golf. I'm like, my goal is to like, I want him to get a hobby. Like, man, like I come in town, I play pickleball with Matt Holiday, you know, and Chris Young. Like, you want to play pickleball? Like, no, nah, man, no hobbies. Doesn't play golf. He just loves ball and his family. So no hobbies and no ego. And when somebody, a lot of times when somebody says I have no ego, it's usually bull and they have a lot of ego. Not that guy. So I think he knows my intentions are pure. and. I know his intentions are pure. Like we don't, he, he, it's interesting, you know, I mean, he knows I want to be a head coach, but he also, he also knows that I can, he thinks maybe I can help him win tip here, a tip there. You know, maybe I can 
maybe I can help give them some insight into Oklahoma State basketball that somebody else can't. Maybe I can get some insight into what has allowed programs I've seen to be successful. So, yeah, I think it speaks to the fact that he he doesn't just say he has no ego. He literally has no ego. Just wants to win basketball games. Wants to coach good kids. Loves learning. He's a he's the we are the opposite in personalities. He's very much a thinker, and he's very analytical. You know, whereas I'm much more ready, shoot, aim. Um, and yeah, I, I, I consider him one of my closest, dearest friends. And we shared things with each other in the last six months that I don't think a lot of guys do. And I think it's really, really cool. It's definitely unique, Barry. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like when he talked to me about it, I was like, really? Like, and you know, my, my brother's been in the profession for 27 years. He's like, well, you sure he's not thinking this? And he's like, thinking that I'm like, just you have to meet Mike. You have to understand, like that's not how he operates. He just he likes good people. He likes people that want to win, want to be around ball. And so, I mean, you know, um, when you know, I don't know if you know, you know, Coach Sutton used to love westerns, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Coach Sutton and I bonded up my first day on campus in Stillwater. I drive in from Southern California. I was there like two days early. It's like a Friday, and. Two things. One, he sent me over to Stillwater High School. I ended up watching Matt Holiday play uh, his first football game his senior year. And then he handed me like three Westerns because I he asked me if I like Westerns. I was like, Coach, I like Westerns and sub movies. He's like, well, great. I got these movies. You watch them. And went. So we bonded. Mike and I, we bond over. We're like super geeks. Um, For last year and a half, if you look at our text chain, you would think we are the biggest basketball nerds you've ever seen. Because both of us have um, the type of memory that I think basketball people have for sets and movement. And we're both fascinated by the European influence on American basketball, more so than the American influence on European basketball. And so we've shared plays and ideas and theories and things like that. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very unique relationship. And he, he, he has really, you know, we, we had a great conversation this summer where I said, well, how do you want to play? He's like, well, I want to play, I want to play, you know, shoot a lot more threes. I want to play much more open. I want to play more analytics driven basketball. It's like, you're seven. Why don't you do it? You know, because, and this is a lesson I learned. I thought when I actually interviewed for the job, doesn't mean I should have gotten or would have gotten it, but I was so concerned at the time with appealing to be, appearing to be prepared, you know, that I had a notebook. I had coaches we're going to hire how we're going to do everything, schedule, everything. But I, it's not me. Like, I'm the sale, right? And if you go down, if you fail, it's okay. But go down your way. And I said that with, with Mike. I was like, Mike, everybody loves you. Everybody respects you. Like, don't run Brad Underwood's offense. Don't run anybody. Run the offense you want to run. Run the defense you want to run. Your program. Do it. You know, if you want to change, change. You get to do like that's the beauty of it, and and he's you know he he liked that. Now he's still he's a very balanced person. So when you tell him things, it takes him a second to kind of think about it, process it, and then he comes back at you. But it's really an interesting relationship because I find him to be crazy smart, really thoughtful, and a guy who processes quickly, but very very thoroughly. Where so many of us, we I'm a now 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 guy. And that maybe the processing doesn't have the depth that his has. You um, you've made no secret of your desire to coach. Uh, you know, you told me 
while back you you've interviewed at Tulane and Wisconsin Green Bay in the last year or so. Um, does does that coaching itch still burn pretty good? It does. I mean, a, a lot of it comes back to uh, a couple of things. One, again, I I still and I don't know, and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to do the whole year of consulting is um, Oklahoma State means a lot to me, you know, a lot. And I, I, I wondered out loud and definitely wondered in my heart if my view of, hey, can you get kids committed to a school when they're there for such a short period of time? There's so many transfers. Can you get people to really, because when we played, we really did play for Oklahoma State. We felt like we were one with the student body. Yep. We were scared to death to coach, but we wanted to win for coach. And we wanted to win for the school. We felt like the whole school was like, it's an underdog mentality. And plus, when you go out, if you win, it's a good time. So, and then we play for each other. And I, I wanted, I, I think one of the things I wondered is, it's so transactional now in college basketball. Can you create that environment, even in a short period of time? Um, but that's why I'd want to do it. Is because, like I said, I had this special existence, you know, for a period of time. There's still people that come to me, man, I, I just love you guys at Oklahoma State. I used to remember when you wore one sock up and one sock down, when you dyed your hair, when you shaved your head or whatever you did. Like those types of things, like that's special. That's really cool. Like you don't get that with the G League. You don't get that when you, you transfer three or four times. You just don't. So I want that for other kids. And that's why. I'd, I'd still like to do it. Plus, I love the game, and I coach the game a ton in any way I can. You know, I coached in TBT, that basketball tournament in the summer. I've coached in Israel twice over. That's team building. That's culture building. You know, you have a month with these kids. And then I coach at the AU level. You know, it's like uh, speed dating, you know, where you're constantly coaching and adjusting, and you have to adjust how you coach based upon the kids that you have, the personnel that you have. So I, I love, you know, I always look at, coaching in a game and adjustments like it's a math problem and you know if you just rework the numbers you can kind of get the answer so yeah i love that part on the other hand i'm still protective of hey i've done this for 21 years the money's good it's easy uh for me i mean you know you know it's like it's like hey could you could you do a podcast barry could you write a column of course you could in your sleep right i'm sure there's something you've always wanted to do and then you're like do i really want to do this so um, I tried to answer, I'm trying to answer this summer. Do I really want to do it or this year? Do I really want to do it? And the answer so far is yes. Do I really want to do it as an assistant coach? Maybe, uh, maybe. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that go with it that, that hold it back. The actual job doesn't hold it back. There's financial aspects, there's location. There's, I'm very used to like, you don't realize how much freedom you have in our business that you don't have when you work for a university. Like you gotta be there all the time. Um, but in terms of, do I want to coach? Yeah. I love coaching young men. I love basketball. I actually really like the interaction with the kids. That's actually probably the best part of this that I was cautious about. And in Mike's defense, he's changed that. He didn't have bad kids ever before, but he has, I told him, I said, Hey, we're on practice. I just talked to him yesterday. I said, we're on practice 52, right? Where are the fights, Mike? We had one fight. 
We got the nicest we have. If you want choir boys, man, we got some choir boys. We have the finest young men in the studio. Those guys are great kids. No bad apples. Zero. You know, you got a couple that get a little hot about playing, but not with each other. It's unbelievable. So I love the interaction with the young guy. Keeps you young. Um, so yeah, I, I, do I want to coach? Yeah. I love coaching. Uh, do I want to coach in college? I like to be a head coach. Do I want to be an assistant in order to take that next step, which many people think might, might have to be an inevitable step. Maybe, maybe, uh, at the right place. It's always, it's like any job. It's all who you work for, uh, more than anything else. You work for the right person at the right place. I think you could do it. Um, and you know, the timing of my life, my daughters that are going into college this coming year. And then I have a son that's going to be entering high school. So, um, you know, it's a profession where you move a lot and I've, I've been in California for seven years now. So I'm protective of certain things. So yeah, I mean, it still very much burns within me. I still think I'm in the window. Um, but I, I just got to be cautious of, you know, throwing away a 21 year radio career when I have a great spot at Fox chasing a dream. On the other hand, like I know it's crazy, but I, I don't want on my tombstone to not say, Hey, that I, I, I tried everything, you know? And I, um, I think if you ask people who have known me very well, they'd say what he's doing now, and coaching basketball are pretty are pretty much the only, and maybe like motivational speaking, right? Those are the only things I'm built for on earth. Um, so it's definitely within me. It's just a question of is the timing and everything else right for it? And and you get the opportunity. Sometimes those opportunities don't come, and you have to accept it and do the best with what you have. You know, seven years ago, somebody said, you know, what do you think about Doug going to OSU? And I thought, you know what. He hasn't been coaching on the college level. It seems a stretch. I, you know, I was leery of the idea. Seven years later, college basketball's changed. Yeah. And the sport is way different than it used to be. And if somebody came to me and said, hey, we're going to make an unconventional hire, whether it's OSU, Green Bay, Tulane, doesn't matter. We're going to go unconvention. My first reaction would be, you know what? Unconventional might work because the whole dang sport is unconventional anymore. Do you think you're in better shape if you decide you want to get into coaching? Is the way the sport uh, has better, changed, def- are you I'm in better def- shape for it? I'm, yeah, yes, and a little bit no. Okay. Now, what I'm going to tell you is the most honest thing. Like, if I was at ESPN, it's a lot easier to do. For whatever reason, ESPN is this guy's like, somehow it gives you a little bit more credibility. I did the ESPN thing for 10 years. I did CBS for five, you know, but um, I've gotten... This job's allowed me to do a lot more coaching, a lot more consulting, a lot more actual hands-on stuff. So it's interesting. Um, I don't, I'm not an all or nothing person. First thing is, and this is really important, you know, uh, I didn't enter into a consulting role with Mike with any sort of intention other than learning and being open to sharing whatever I thought with him. And like I said, Mike's like the most honest guy to a fault in the world. He's like, don't tell people you don't want to be a head coach because that's lying. It's like no coach should ever want guys on staff that only want to be assistant coaches. Right now, you got to do your job really well as an assistant coach to be a head coach. But like, 
do you want to be head coach? I was like, well, yeah. I was like, well, so don't be shy of it. But my primary focus, for example, this season is, and I and and Mike and I have this thing where at, at the at the end of every discussion, like, is there anything I can do to help you? Because I mean it. I I he's a dear friend of mine. So I don't want somebody running back going like, oh, well, Gottlieb's saying he wants to be a head coach. Like, no, I just want to learn. Um, but to answer your question, and it's a good one. Uh, I'm way more prepared. This year is amazing. Um, also, the transactional way in which college athletics has changed, I think, is better, especially when you're in AAU, when you've done a lot of AAU, right? Because you have to be able to be uh, to be versatile. Uh, additionally, uh, my I call games. It's changed a lot. I do a lot of radio games, and I do a lot of different conferences, and. I know the small and mid-major conferences really well. And guess where all the players transferring up are coming from? <laughs> you know, so it prepares me like, I know, I know the actual kids in the portal. I mean, a, a perfect example is um, uh, uh, Stephen, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, hold on real quick. One second. I'm like, Talking too much, so I got to make sure I get his name right. Uh, I mean, so Steve Ash, Steve Ashworth, okay. So he's point guard at Creighton. Okay, yeah. Um, he was at Utah State. So and play against OSU, yeah. Right. So get all those threes. Right. So Ashworth, I've known. There was a year, the COVID year. I had this weird run where I was in. I did Utah. I was in Logan eleven times. And they had uh, Bean, who's from Moore, Oklahoma, right? Justin Bean. Yep. And they had Ashworth. And we became friends. And I'm kind of an advisor to, uh, towards him, you know? And uh, I, I really love that. But it's also, that, that's one of the things my job gives me is like, I'm not going to steer you to leave. But if you want to leave, you want some advice. Like, I know all these coaches. I know all these places. I can tell you where a good place to go is. Doesn't mean you have to take my advice. Um, so, you know, my job does allow for a lot more connections with players, with agents being in Los Angeles. They're all out here. Um, and with these kind of go-betweens. And a lot of the AAU guys are still connected with their college players. Hey, I got a kid for you. Do you know this guy? Do you know that guy? So from that aspect, I'm more prepared. From the coaching aspect, I'm more prepared. Mike helping me understand how to run a program, way more prepared. The thing I don't have is I don't, I'm not an ESPN guy. And though I'm working the final four with Westwood one, it's not, I'm not on CBS. Um, so it's not as visible. So it's a little bit, and it's still to many people. It's a, it's not a, a non-traditional hire. I, I would say that the, the big thing is this Barry. when, and I love the fact that you're like more open to it. It's the, I've always said, Hey, you just have a conversation about your job. And like, let me tell you how I think it could go. And if you like that idea, let's have a deeper conversation, you know, because I think with any job, no matter who you are, it's not just about hiring that coach. It's about, okay, what's your staff going to look like? Who are you going to recruit? Who are you going to get? How are you going to do it? How are you going to motivate people? How are you going to get people in stands? All those other things. And frankly, trial and error, you know, I, I, I was like, I was a finalist for Wisconsin Green Bay. And the plan was Josh Moon's the AD and we became pretty close and Met with the president, met with the uh, uh, with the selection committee, and you know, 
Josh knew that like it was too big a financial drop off for me to not do radio. So he's like, how would you do it? How would you still do radio? And I went to my Fox radio guys and they were like, as long as you're on time and do your work and you have opinions, even better, right? They both, um, one helps the other, you know? Um, I think there's a world in which you could be an assistant coach. I don't think you'd be a high major head coach and do a daily national radio show. I think that's too much. Although, you know, Jim Valvano did a, a national TV show nightly when he was at NC State. Um, you know, Deion Sanders does a ton of media and obviously he's the head coach of Colorado, but I think if you're a head coach at a high major school, you probably don't. But at the lower mid-major level, like, all right, well, you don't have to pay me two X. You can just pay me X because I'm already making money on radio. And that will allow me to get an assistant coach who during that three hour window, when I'm doing radio handles everything. And then I have, you know, I get the energy of a teenager the rest of the day to help you out. Um, so I, I never forget, I mean, the way they did that job was the three finalists all got contracts and you had to sign a contract first before they told you who got the, got the job. And I, I think this is fairly common practice at that level. Um, I remember like, I still have it in my, my email, like looking at it going like, holy cow, this could really be real. And so I was very excited. I was apprehensive about a part of the country that I was born in. I know people in, but I hadn't lived in. Um, so uh, anyway, the point is, yeah, it's not conventional, but everything's not conventional. And I think you and I point, you point this out to me, which is great, which is like, you can have 30 years of experience in college basketball, but college basketball has changed so much in the last two or three years that all that experience doesn't really matter. Right. Because no one has experience with NIL. Nobody. And um, it's a little bit more, and this has always been my push. If you're somebody who can figure it out in different kinds of jobs, then you can figure it out in college basketball. Are you willing to, like Mike, Mike Boyden, not have an ego about the things you don't know about, hire the people that know what you don't know, empower them to do their job? Can you connect with the fans? Can you connect with the kids? You know, are you in it for the right reasons? And, you know, are you willing to understand you might fail? Um, but you also might succeed and succeeding might be really, really fun. Last, last question for me, Doug is, is this going back 1998, 99, 2000, I'm at the Oklahoma and we had a theme. It wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a golden rule. It wasn't a hard and fast rule, but it was a strong suggestion. Nobody goes to Stillwater without talking to Doug Gottlieb. <laughs> Your story needs some quotes from Doug Gottlieb, or it's not all it could be. And, of course, you took that, that uh, vibrant personality. You, you've taken it to the national stage and radio. Where did that come from? Where did this, this ability to talk about sports and, and connect with people and, and, and uh, communicate, where, where did that come from? Uh, uh, my, my dad. I mean, it's really, you know, uh, my late father was, uh, he loves sports. Um, his dad was an account, like a self-made man accountant who took over a car dealership and tried to get my dad in 1981. My dad got fired at UW, uh, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. They went, they were D1, Title IX made him have to go D3. So he left. I mean, essentially was let go. And my grandpa tried to give him a car dealership to run. And he's like, why don't you buy the, at the time, New Jersey Nets for a million dollars? 
And my grandpa, who was an accountant, looked at the books and was like, Bobby, you're crazy. This is a terrible investment. Why don't you run my car dealership? My, my dad's like that because I don't want to. I want to. My dad loves sports, uh, basketball especially, but all, all sports. And, you know, we used to get up every morning and he got the Orange County Register, the LA, Time, uh, LA Times, Orange County. And remember the National Sports Daily for a while? Right. We, we'd yep. get USA Today or National Sports Daily. And we'd have breakfast, pass around. the, And then I spent most afternoons from like sixth, seventh grade on with him because we'd have something basketball to do or something sports to do. And he'd drive me there and we'd have sports radio on at the time. And I don't know, it's just my life. And when I was, I'll never forget when I was in fifth grade, I wasn't doing very well in English reading, especially reading, reading comprehension. So he took me to a reading specialist and they're like, he's got to read. So, um, he made a deal with me that I forget how much money I got. I think I got like five bucks a book and he would give me one book that was a traditional novel and then a sports book. So the first book was the boys from Brazil by Leon Uris. Mm-hmm. Amazing book. I would encourage and that, that, that still would work today. And then my second book was uh, Catfish Hunter's autobiography. And I didn't realize Catfish Hunter was really like the first true free agent, but it was more of the colorful yep. stories. I read about right. the Celtics, the famous Celtics, the last run of the Celtics, the Jordan rules, all the John Feinstein books. And they were interspersed with other novels. Um, and so I just had a, a passion for it. I've just always had a passion for sports and, and I love telling stories, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure you know this, obviously with this interview going longer than you thought, I'm a storyteller, but that comes from when I was a kid, we'd go to the final fours, you go up to the Nike room and Jim Valvano's having a beer and telling a story. Coaches are, oh, Eddie Sutton, a great storyteller with unbelievable color. So I just, I love the stories of sports. I love the action. I love being there. I love the little things that happen within it. Um, it's so much better than real life it just is. Uh, it brings me joy. It's frankly made, you know, my kids' school will all be paid for by basketball at Oklahoma State, and I'm appreciative and respectful of it. But it just comes from a dad that loves sports, and we're, we're always around it. And then uh, I, my brother says this, like, we don't have opinions in my family. Okay? We don't have arguments based on opinion. We have facts that may contradict your supposed facts, right? We are very, very opinionated people. And that's just kind of how we've always been. And so um, that's where it comes from. It just comes from, um, you know, I have two, a New York and a Connecticut born parent. Uh, My dad was super loquacious. Uh, He was a talker. My brother was known as Mr. Filibuster as he's been an assistant coach for 27, 28 years. And uh, I've been around sports. I've always had kind of the gift of gab and I love interacting with people and telling stories and you know, it's you, you go back to the coaching element of it. It's, it's told me a long time ago, and it's true. Recruiting is just about storytelling. You know, it's just as you're painting, you're telling a story to a kid to imagine himself in that uniform. That's all it is. And, you know, the more vivid the details, the more specific you can be, the more believable it is, the more likely you are to be a good recruiter. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's it, it comes honestly from my dad, my relationship with him. Long drives in the car, going to pick up teammates. Because if you just have Orange County kids when you're playing AU basketball, you might not be good enough. But we would have Adam Walton from San Diego. It's Bill Walton's son. J.R. Henderson was from Bakersfield. 
We had kids from South Central LA. We'd go and we'd pick them all up, bring them to practice, and then drop them all off and get home late at night. And during that time, we were talking about sports. All the arguments you see now on first take, this is my whole life. So that's how it resonates with me. Well, Doug, it's a fantastic story. And hey, uh, the state of Oklahoma is very pleased that you came to Stillwater a quarter century ago and uh, and and made this uh, one of your homes and, and really rooted in. Oklahoma State has benefited from it. You've benefited from it. And it's been a great story and continued good luck. Thanks again for being on the show. Well, I will tell you one last thing before you go. You haven't clicked off yet. This is a real thing. You would write columns and you still wrote and written columns even, you know, after I, after I left that would, you know, piss me off. And, and I was like, man, that's wrong. But that's, that's the beauty to this thing, right? It's the beauty of this thing is we have opinions and you're like, you're, you believe in it. And it, I've always thought that when you're, if you're, and this is a debate I've had sometimes with my bosses at the various networks. Like, hey, if you say something that everybody goes, well, that's not, that's not really doing your job. Now, you can't intentionally do it. And I don't think you do. I don't think you intentionally write things that that can irritate somebody. But when you have an opinion, you're not afraid to share it. And it will irritate somebody. Like, I think that's, I think that's when you know you're good at your job is our jobs are to bring emotion to the viewer, to the yep. listener, to the reader. Could be a negative it. emotion, yep. but it's to be emotion. And when you lose that, that's when you move on, right? And you've never lost that. So I would, I, I, that's, it's, it's out of respect that I say, I've read all your stuff. I've never stopped reading your stuff. I've never stopped listening. I haven't agreed always. But again, that's the beauty to it is it still brings an emotion out of me. And that's how you know you're still doing a good job. Well, thanks, Doug. I appreciate it. And hey, love listening to you on Fox. And uh, if you get into coaching full time, hey, uh, knock them dead. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Barry. Thanks a lot. Hey, remember, if this is your first time hearing or watching the show, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you would like what you hear, please leave a review. You can read me every day at BarryTrammell.com, across social media, and on SelloutCrowd.com. Thanks again to Doug Gottlieb. We'll see you next week.